The playoff gods have seemingly smiled upon the Utah Jazz as the one through seven seeds in the Western Conference are set and the Jazz have been able to avoid the Rockets in round one and can avoid the Lakers if they're able to advance to round two. Today on Home Court Press, McCade and I take a brief look at this afternoon's Jazz-Spurs matchup, but most of today's show will be dedicated to the Western Conference playoff matchups that are already decided as we head into the last two days of the eight-game restart. All that and more coming up next on Home Court Press. You're listening to Home Court Press with McCade Pearson. Playoff basketball around the corner. And Brian Priest. It's been a wild two weeks in the bubble, and honestly, we might have seen more tanking than actual basketball, but going into the last two days of the restart, the playoffs are almost 100% decided. The Eastern Conference is 100% set. One through seven in the West are set. Eight through 11, this is an NBA dream scenario. They're separated by half a game each. The Blazers are in the eight spot right now. The Grizzlies, Suns, and Spurs are all one half game behind the Blazers, and all four of them play today. Honestly, I look at these matchups as well. The It looks like Phoenix is playing Dallas. The Jazz are playing San Antonio, of course. We all know about that. Memphis is playing Milwaukee, and Portland is playing Brooklyn. I expect all four of these teams to win, which would end up with the Blazers and Grizzlies in the play-in series. But this is wild, McCade. What do you think of this? Giannis with Milwaukee. Let's be clear about that. Um, no, it should be really, really fun with those four teams all battling out today. The Spurs are the, really the only team kind of left out hanging. They need a Grizzlies or Suns loss before they even tip off to have a chance. But other than that, the other three teams will go into their games full steam ahead, win or go home. Um, and then, of course, there's a slight chance the Blazers or Grizzlies could lose and still fight in. But the Blazers will know their situation by the time they tip off. Like It's all going to be super fun, and it's all going to be super exciting. And, yes, we're going to go from four to two today, but no matter what happens, we're going to have a super fun playing game on Saturday morning and then another one on Sunday if the right team wins on Saturday. It's going to be a lot to look forward to, and this play-in scenario has been perfect for the NBA. I wouldn't be surprised to see them use it going forward. Yeah, they could do a fun couple fun things with the format there their main one they proposed in the past is they have seven eight nine ten participate mm-hmm. and i think that would be a lot of fun that would be great let's talk about the jazz spurs normally we'd start off with news and notes but the jazz spurs game only matters to the spurs so we're going to fly through this real quick and then we'll talk about these playoff seating scenarios that are already set so like i said this game means a a lot more to the Spurs than it does to the Jazz. The Jazz are set. They're six. They're going to be playing the Nuggets no matter what happens today. The only impact on the Jazz going forward is draft pick. Tell me how the draft pick compensation works for so, the Jazz. They don't have tiebreakers for draft picks. They just do coin flips. So if we lose, we stay at 20, um, and that's that moving forward. If we win, then the Thunder or the Rockets or – the Pacers heat play and the loser will also drop below. So anyway, then it gets complicated because then you have some ties and some coin flips to do. We could end up being 23. So if we just lose though, we keep 20 and we move on with our lives. Okay. So draft pick for the jazz on the line a little bit. 
just a difference of four spots potentially. But for the Spurs, 22 consecutive playoff seasons in San Antonio, the longest active playoff streak in North American professional sports. Not the NBA. We're talking hockey. We're talking baseball. We're talking football. We're talking basketball. The longest streak. So that's pretty impressive. The Spurs are going to be fighting to keep that spot. You already talked about how they're going to have a much better idea near tip-off of this Jazz game, whether or not they're still alive. Um, As far as the Jazz go, they've already announced that Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert are not going to play today. Personally, I'd I'd be stunned if Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Jordan Clarkson, Emmanuel Moutier, Tony Bradley, any of those guys play more than 10 to 15 minutes today. I think the Jazz have already proven they're much more concerned about health going into the playoffs Mm -hmm. than they are about games in the bubble. Yeah, I don't expect much from the Jazz today. And if the Grizzlies and the Suns lose, I can see the Spurs pulling a few guys as well if they're eliminated. So it could be some ugly basketball, but it could be some fun basketball. A little fun note on the 22-year streak. Tim Duncan, uh, they made the playoffs Tim Duncan's rookie year moving forward. Tim Duncan was drafted the week I was born. So some context for how long 22 years is. Um, but yeah, nothing much to see. I'll watch the game because I'm a Jazz fan, but I watch summer league games, and that's about what it is. Yeah, this is this is going to be a summer league game for the Jazz at the very least. But man, I'll tell you, I'm just pinching myself because it legitimately feels like the playoffs are getting ready to start. I wasn't sure what playoff basketball in August would feel like, but I feel like I'm 12 again. I feel like it's mid-April, the season is wrapping up, and I can't wait to see John Stockton and Carl Malone battling in the playoffs again, except this time it's Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. It's, this is great. I haven't felt this in quite some time. Yep, it should be fantastic. And you're going to get real long, intense series. You're going to get rivalry field series. T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler are going at each other, and they've had problems already this year. They've played twice this week, and now they're going to play seven times next week and the week after. You're gonna, the Rockets and Thunder are sharing a building at their hotel, so they're seeing each other in the hallways constantly. Like You're going to get the intensity that we were worried wouldn't be there. See, that's something, McCade, that I hadn't really thought of, but you're 100% correct. Not only are these teams going to see each other in a seven-game series, and that always raises tensions. You, you battle against a guy for 48 minutes a night. But they're going to see each other off the floor all the time. They're going to see each other at meals. They're going to see each other uh, around the bubble campus. They're, you mentioned the Rockets and Thunder staying in the same hotel. You guarantee Russell Westbrook is going to pass Chris Paul at some point in the hallway. One of them is going to say something, just knowing those two. This is exciting. It's, this is something the NBA has never – it's unprecedented in professional sports – for something like this. But let's take a quick break, McCade, and then when we come back, we want to look briefly at each of these playoff series that have been decided in the Western Conference specifically and talk about why this is such an exciting playoff in terms of matchups. So you've been listening to Home Court Press, and we will be right back. Thanks for tuning in today. Home Court Press can be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. We can also be found on any of your major podcatchers. And remember to listen, share, rate, and review so more people have an opportunity to listen. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's 
B-P-R-E-E-C-E 24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Home Court Press. This is your host, Brian Priest, talking to McCade Pearson, as always. And we're looking at the Western Conference playoff matchups that have been decided. One through seven, as we've already talked about, are set in stone. And we're just trying to figure out who the eight seed is going to be. I know who I'd like the eight seed to be, but let's jump right into this, McCade. I feel like this entire thing, one through eight, is a dream scenario for the NBA and fans alike. So one versus eight. We know it's the Lakers. It could be the Blazers, Grizzlies, Suns, or Spurs. The Blazers hold the pole position currently. All four of them play today, so things could change. We'll see how this shakes out, but either way, it's a guaranteed play-in game on Saturday morning, possibly a second play-in game on Sunday. So I look at this Lakers team. Where are they most vulnerable? I feel like it's on the perimeter, and that's on both sides of the ball. If they end up playing the Blazers, the most likely opponent right now, and I think all of America probably wants to see the Blazers, unless you're a Lakers fan, because they're probably the scariest potential opponent for this Lakers team. Damian Lillard, 37 points per game so far in the bubble. He's been as hot as anybody out there in Orlando. He's got a 51-point game, a 61-point game. And a fun stat I saw yesterday, Damian Lillard is also the first guy since Wilt Chamberlain in 61-62 to score 60-plus three times in one season. What do you think about that? 50-plus in a season. He's done, I believe, six times, and that's also a very, very elite list with only four or five guys. He's been fantastic. What I'm most excited for here is it doesn't matter which of these four teams comes out into the eight seed. That team is going to have been on fire heading into the bubble, except unless the Grizzlies get some help and then win a fluky play-in game. They've looked weird. But if it's the Blazers, Suns, or Spurs, those three teams are just on fire and playing really well at the right time, and the Lakers don't want to play them. But that's what makes the playoffs so great, is you don't want to play any of these 15 teams for seven straight games. But that's what you do, and then you move on, you do it again. The playoffs are just great. The Lakers, you're right. They probably don't want to see the Blazers, perimeter guards, no Avery Bradley is big if they do match up against a Damian Lillard or Devin Booker. And Rajon Rondo struggled, but hey, that's another body that another person mm-hmm. with experience that would really help. So when we look at the Lakers, we know about LeBron James. We know about Anthony Davis. Who's the third guy on that team? Is it Kyle Kuzma? Is it Danny Green? Is it, I mean, they're so thin at this point. Is it recently signed J.R. Smith or Dion Waiters? Who can they depend on as the third guy in a playoff series? Uh, Kuzma looked really good the other night, hit the game winner on Monday night. And then Danny Green's just all of a sudden in a huge rut. We've seen this a couple times in the past years from Danny Green, but he could flip that switch and get out of that cold streak at any time. You Basketball isn't played in a season. You don't need some guy to be the third banana for the season. You need a third banana in games to win games, which builds to a good season. And so it doesn't have to be anyone specific, but they do need someone to stand up at least one player a game, um, at least four times in seven tries to be able to move on to the next round. And then let's stay on the LeBron James side of the bracket here. Rockets Thunder. This is the ultimate revenge series. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, both former Thunder players, Chris Paul and Westbrook were traded for each other last summer. And not only traded for each other, you might think straight up, no. The Rockets decided that Chris Paul had so little value that they sent, what was it, three, four first-round picks to the Thunder in that deal to acquire Russell Westbrook? 
it's respectful blood. There's a lot of respect going both ways, but there is some frustrated, mildly offended, bad blood in this series. It's going to be intense. Thunder fans are in an all-out war right now on if they're cheering for the Rockets or Thunder, as silly as that sounds, because there are some rough Thunder fans that just aren't willing to cheer against Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think Jazz fans are bad? Thunder fans are in the... Oh, it's awful right now. It's that small market mentality. It is, no. And, I mean, I couldn't imagine Jazz fans if we were playing against Donovan Mitchell in the playoff series. Like, people would be losing it. So, it's going to be a really fun series. And it's going to be a series that really pushes both teams mentally and emotionally. Um, that, that being said, I think all the guards in this series are up to the challenge to get through a tough emotional seven-game series. Mm-hmm. No, so, Chris Paul, this is an interesting scenario with him. He struggled with injuries over his, his what, two, three seasons in Houston, a lot of lower leg issues, and this year hasn't missed a single game with the Thunder. The Thunder weren't even expected to make the playoffs, and they've been carried by Chris Paul, his leadership, his experience, and we've seen a lot of growth from their young guys, and a lot of that I attribute to a guy like Chris Paul being on the roster. We've got the Thunder three-point guard lineup of Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder should be returning to the bubble soon if he hasn't already. It's been the best three-man unit in the league, and then for the Rockets, James Harden, obviously, he's been spectacular in the bubble. He's been every bit the MVP candidate that you would expect, the MVP candidate that McCade loves. He's going to end up third in the MVP voting, but he's he's been awesome for the Rockets. The only potential drawback for the Rockets right now is that Russell Westbrook has missed the last two games, I believe, is not expected to play in their last game in the bubble, and currently his status for the playoffs is uncertain. I'd be stunned if it's not a serious injury if Westbrook doesn't play, but that is a little bit up in the air for the Rockets. Yeah, that's weird. We'll have to see what happens there because, yeah, he's not playing tomorrow. And, yeah, it's we'll see what comes out. It's a lot like the Ben Simmons thing where it's like, yeah, he's fine, he's fine, and all of a sudden he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. There's something fishy going on there. I'm expecting him to play. I'm expecting him to be fine. But there is something going on there. Yeah. And then one last injury note in this series. Lou Dort, the uh, Thunder rookie, hurt his knee last night. Severity, again, is not known on that. If he can't play, that that could end up being a significant injury because uh, Dort's energy and intensity on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. He settled in as their starting guard forward wing player and has been great defensively. And, yeah, it's... That's unfortunate. I hope all is well there. We want to see these teams at full strength, or at least both full strength. Definitely want to see them as close to full strength as possible. And that's actually a good segue to this next series, the Clippers and Mavericks. The Clippers have been a team as the two-seed that entering the season were as deep as anybody. Then they added one of the Marcus brothers. They added Reggie Jackson on the back end of that bench and got a little bit deeper. But they've missed Montrez Harrell through the entirety of the bubble. He came into Orlando on Monday, but hasn't played, has yet to practice. And so you just wonder, he's a six-man-of-the-year candidate, but you wonder what his conditioning is, is going to be. And also because of the, the loss of his grandmother, they were obviously very close. That's why he hadn't been in Orlando yet. You wonder what his his mental state is going to be. Some guys can really lock in and turn it up after these things happen, and other guys have a have a hard time getting out of their own head. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Montrez. But more so with the Clippers, is this team going to be able to gel now? 
they had so many additions in the offseason. They added several guys during the season, and they've played together very little comparatively due to rest, injuries, outside influences, as we talked about with Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, and his chicken wings. I, I worry, I don't worry about the Clippers, but I wonder if their lack of continuity over the course of the season can hurt them now come playoff time. Oh, yeah, this is probably the series I'm most intrigued by because you do have a title contending team in the Clippers who are trying to figure some things out. And then you have a Mavericks team who's a lot like the 2018 Jazz, where they have this up-and-coming star. I mean, let's be real. Luka Doncic, he's come. He, he is a star. But um, you're going to have a team that has a lot better net rating than their record suggests. They have a great offense, and they're just going to be like, you know what? We don't care. We're just going to go out and play, and Luka's going to try and go for 40, 10, and 10 every game. Porzingis looks fantastic. And... It's almost the question of how much can Luka Doncic just be like, I don't give a crap, I'm going for it, to the point where if they can push the Clippers five, six, or seven games. Luka's been special in the playoffs. Kristaps Porzingis, he's kind of played the Robin to Luka's Batman, which is kind of funny to say because I feel like if I say the name Kristaps Porzingis, it sounds more like a Hollywood villain than a good guy, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Both of those guys are averaging over 30 points per game in the bubble. Luka's averaging a triple-double at 30, 11, and 11. This series with those two young guys, the Clippers' veteran depth, I really compare this to the 2010 Western Conference first round. If you remember the eight-seed Thunder against the Lakers, that's the young Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka. His first, I think it was his second year at that point. This Lakers-Thunder series and the, the Clippers-Mavericks series have a lot of things in common. Yeah, you're going to have, the Mavericks are going to steal game one or game two, and they maybe win game three as well. So you're going to have one-one, maybe two-one Mavs. And the national media buzz of, oh my gosh, can they do this? Like, are they arriving? And I don't think they're quite there to beat the Clippers who are looking to win a title. But you're going to have that shock moment of, can they do this? Really? Like, does Luca? he just doesn't care. He's just that good. He's not scared of the moment. All that fun media talk. It's just going to be a great series. It's going to be a great playoff. And have we even mentioned by name Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Both all-stars acquired by the Clippers. Kawhi trying to become one of, if not the only, just a handful of players to win championships with three different teams. Paul George has, I would say, perennially disappointed in the playoffs, especially especially since he left Indiana. But this is still one of the best duos in the league. Yeah, I think it's uh, Robert Ory, and I think there's one other guy who won titles with three teams. Um, it is, and none of them have been finals MVPs, superstars, anything like that. Kawhi is trying to do something unheard of. So is LeBron, though. So yeah. it's just the new NBA we live in. You don't have, you don't have a player who's going to win six titles with a team like Jordan did. Like, you're going to bounce around and maybe get a few here or there. Um, it's, I'm interested to see if Kawhi does show up like he did last year. Um, not as high as Kawhi on most people. And so I want to see what he does in a new place. And I want to see if PG can actually show up to the moment because he had some moments against the Heat when he was in Indiana, but since then it's been rough. And then one other injury note in this series, Landry Shamet injured an ankle a couple games ago. He was in a walking boot yesterday, so not sure on the severity of that, but 
I mean, sometimes with the NBA, they're extra cautious, and a guy could be in a walking boot just to immobilize it for a little while, but it's not necessarily a serious injury. At the same time, it could be something that keeps him out for several games, if not all of a first-round playoff series. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on with Shamit because he's he is one of those players the Clippers need to rely on as far as stretching the floor. Yep, should be a great series. And this one's fun for the Jazz because this is who we play when we sweep the Denver Nuggets. When we sweep the Denver Nuggets. Wow, I no, like no, that. No. I'm <laughs> trying to be positive. So let's jump right into that. 3-6 series. Nuggets are are third in the West. Jazz are obviously sixth. In the season series, the Nuggets are 3-0 against the Jazz. But in none of those three games has either of these teams been at full strength, nor will they be at full strength during the playoffs. The Nuggets have missed Will Barton and Gary Harris for the entirety of the restart. The Jazz obviously don't have Bojan Bogdanovich, as well as sitting several guys throughout the restart. It's, it's going to be an interesting series. I don't want us to get too in-depth on this one today because we do plan on doing a full playoff series breakdown this weekend. That's going to be complete with player tendencies, individual and team stats, matchup comparisons. We're going to really go deep on this Jazz Nuggets series. We are. Uh, we're going to be saying the word Nuggets a lot over the next couple weeks. And if anybody uh, out there knows a Nuggets podcaster that wants to do a, a joint pod, We'd love to do that with them. Those are fun. I did, I did that for the Blazers last year. Um, and then we had Elliot on a couple weeks ago to talk Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Those are fun because they help you take away your bias of my team's going to sweep the other team. <laughs> Which I think is something both of us could use on occasion, kid. <laughs> Always. No, but just right off the bat, this series is going to be huge for the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert narratives. Rudy's been fine, but the media won't tell you that. And Donovan's been horrible, and the media will tell you that in the playoffs. And this is a very winnable series where Gobert can go up against Jokic and Donovan can go up against Jamal Murray, and they can show that, A, they can play in the playoffs, and B, they are on the level of Gobert for Jokic. And Donovan is better than Jamal Murray, but you get the point. It's a, it's a series that you have to really use the win in. Yeah, going forward, this is going to be really important for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in terms of their career narrative. And, of course, I'm sure you'll hear a thousand times that the Nuggets drafted both these guys and all that fun stuff. Yeah, you think that'll be but, mentioned a little bit? <laughs> once or twice. Um, Jazz have played the Nuggets a lot in their franchise history, most recently in 2010 when we took out Carmelo in the 4-5 matchup. That was that the was year that series. Memo got hurt, right? Yeah, Memo got hurt first quarter game one, and Carrillo uh, Sacinco started the rest of the series for us and wasn't terrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was... Kind of Millsap's coming out party, like kind of the last round of the D-Will era. So that was fun. The Jazz aren't on the 3-6 side much. Have They've only been the 60 twice in their franchise history. One year they actually won a playoff series. Young, young Stockton, Malone, Akeem in the mid-80s. And they lost to the Nuggets the second round, and they lost to the Sonics again. But both those series were they would 60 to win a full five games in the first round. So, And I don't expect anything different here. I would be shocked if this series didn't get to game six game seven and i saw you say something on twitter about that jazz being on this side of the bracket it hasn't happened in 17 years right it has not happened in 17 years we had eight straight playoff appearances of being the five seed six times or the eight seed twice um the last time we were in the two three six seven side we were the seven seed we played the sacramento kings it was the very first year they did best of seven in the first round 
And uh, you guys might remember it as John Stockton, Carmelo's last games as Jasmine. The standing ovation in Sacramento in Game 5 and all that fun stuff. Well, maybe we can turn that into a good omen. And uh, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be so weird looking at a bracket and trying to find the Jazz on the bottom half. <laughs> All right, McKay, let's briefly just fly through this Eastern Conference first-round matchups. The number one Milwaukee Bucks taking on the eight-seed Orlando Magic. The Magic, second season in a row, they're the eight-seed. They've dealt with some injuries in the, the restart. Jonathan Isaac has gone down. Aaron Gordon's dealing with the hip. And the Milwaukee Bucks are probably the best team in basketball. Yeah, I just put down some money in Vegas on the Bucks to win the championship, so I wouldn't mind that. But... um this series will be a little bit better than people think. I think the games will be a little more competitive. Um, I think the Magic still a game. But, yeah, there's not much to talk about there. The Bucks are – they got bigger fish to fry than the Orlando Magic. Sorry, Orlando. Enjoy your bus ride back to your practice facility 20 minutes away. And then we stay on the same side of that bracket in the East. This is the, the one seeding that hasn't been decided, but the matchup is decided. The Pacers and Heat – are playing each other. The winner of that game gets the four seed. The loser takes the five seed. But they're going to face each other. You've already mentioned it. They, the potential of facing each other nine times over the course of three weeks, and there's already some bad blood in that series. I, I think that Jimmy Butler probably has bad blood with <laughs> just about every team in the league in some way. Yeah, did you see him truck Chris Paul last night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the first half of fun in that game. No, um, yeah, there's... This is a series that could get really intense, even two, three games in, and especially if the series stays close and he don't run away with it. It's going to be a dog fight down the back half of the series. I might be looking forward in terms of Eastern Conference first round matchups. That's the most exciting one for me. I don't know. I love the Philly Boston matchup. No Ben Simmons sucks. Uh, Joel Embiid's battling an ankle injury, but he's going to play tomorrow. At least that's the plan. Well, Embiid um, hurt hurt his wrist yesterday as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, so he left that game early, and the it's X-rays were negative. Time. But not sure if he's going to play tomorrow. I'd be surprised if he plays tomorrow. Yeah, no, they they got some stuff to figure out. Um, obviously, some bad blood with Al Horford, mm-hmm. who came out and said, "I am so thankful we are in the bubble, and I don't have to go to Boston three times for." A couple games in the next couple weeks. Um, so that should be fun. We'll see how it all plays out. They need some guys to step up. Rough year for the Sixers. And the Celtics are hoping for a better performance from Kemba Walker. He's been dealing with the, the knee arthritis is the talk around the league. So that's a concern for him going forward. But, you know, you got to get through the, the playoff series now. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. The Celtics have some really good young guys. But these teams are kind of opposites in terms of the Sixers are one of the biggest teams in the league, capable of playing a lineup with all five guys over six foot seven. At least when Ben Simmons is healthy, he's obviously not playing in this series. Whereas the Celtics have Ennis Cantor at center and Daniel Tice at six seven, I believe, is their starting center. Celtics don't have a lot of size. Yeah, um, a lot of former Jasmine in that series. I'll be cheering for the Alec Burks and the well Neto side, but that series is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most on the East. Um, I think Philly has the talent. Joe Embiid can give, you know, Joe Embiid struggled against Boston because of Al Horford, but that's obviously flipped now. So I think the 76ers will get a game or two pretty easily, and we'll see a good long series there. Yeah, see, you and I disagree on that one. We might want to talk some wagers after we get off the pod. But let's look at 2-7, Raptors and Nets. 
the Nets didn't bring anybody of consequence besides no. Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie into the bubble, where the Raptors might be 1 through 12, the deepest team in the league. Yeah, they're 6-1 and one in the bubble. They look awesome. They look like they can compete for a title game, which is just insane without Kawhi. But, hey, they do a good job over there, and they have seven guys that play both sides of the ball. And that goes a long way in the modern NBA. Um, yeah, the Nets don't have anybody, so I'm not expecting anything there. That might be the most likely series to be a sweep. How the Nets outpaced the Magic for the seventh seed, I'm still not sure of. That one kind of snuck up on me. Um because they were tied hanging into the bubble, and then the Magic beat the Nets on opening day that first Friday. And then after that, it just went completely different directions. The Nets had a weird win against Milwaukee. like, But yeah, so nothing. I'd be shocked if we saw anything there that was noteworthy. All right, McCade, that does it for the Eastern Conference, but we've been missing out on it for the last few episodes. They've been asking for it. Twitter is really upset right now, especially Jazz Twitter. Do you have another fire take for us? Um, nothing too big today, but I will say I truly believe all four Western Conference playoff matchups are going to go six games or seven. Um, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks in the first round. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be a lot of close games. I think all four series get to six games, which is a lot more rare than that sounds. Because, I mean, you're not going to see the Lakers run away with it. And the other series are just insanely close. So get ready for a fun two weeks. Back and forth matchup. Maybe even get a few fluky winners. Once you get to like game six, game seven, fluky things can happen. And so just enjoy it. We have playoff basketball in August and September, and that's okay. Fluky, especially when there's no home court advantage, unless you want to talk about the fans on the video boards. I, I don't know, McCade. I still think you're trying to sell that line. <laughs> no, I need a, I haven't looked at the home records of the last week or so, so don't quote me on anything there. But you're right, it it could get crazy because there isn't home court advantage, there's no travel, so teams are basically going to be playing every other day. There's not going to be as much rest, but without the travel, I don't think the rest will be as necessary. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The the way the bubble played out, some of the top teams in the Western Conference really struggled throughout the bubble, whether that was because they were resting guys or just didn't play well or injuries or whatever. Man, it's it's been wild so far through these eight games, and I don't see it changing in the least as we head into the playoffs next week. Yep, and we still haven't heard anything about Saturday's Bucks game or a couple games on Sunday. Maybe the NBA truly is just going with four on Monday and four on Tuesday, which I would be really sad by. I want to start this weekend. But regardless of what happens, playoff basketball is around the corner. Should be fun. All right, man, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, find me at McCade P8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-A. Um, right now, I'm doing a lot of Hornets free agency talk because this conference, we're doing a mock free agency, and I got to sign the Hornets, and I'm trying to figure out how to please Michael Jordan with whoever the heck they have on their roster. Good luck with that, man. That doesn't sound like a fun project uh-huh. at all. Well, hopefully in 48 hours, we're past the Hornets stage in my life, and we're back to jazz basketball. All right. Well, McCade Twitter is probably going to be filled with Charlotte Hornets content over the next couple of days. But <laughs> you could find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. Talking jazz basketball, Cubs baseball, and anything else in between. You've been listening to Home Court Press. Just about to get the playoffs started. Let's get out there and get some jazz W's. Bust